0: Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm disgusted. There are two things that disgust me right now. Three, my head is peeling. That's disgusting to live in hell out of me. Our president is lying to us. That's disgusting to live in hell. All these healthcare workers are lying to us. But you know what's got me more disgusted than anything? Indiana basketball. Now, those of you that are just joining the greatest show in the history of morning talk shows... This one, by the way, if in case you didn't know, don't at me. You see it? Don't at me. Uh, I went to Indiana. I played in Indiana. I coached in Indiana. And, hell, I'm so pissed off I don't even have a mic on right now. I was in Indiana 16 years. And then I came back to Indiana for a 17th year. They made me the interim coach. Because an idiot named Calvin Sampson couldn't get guys not to smoke weed or go to Claire's ridiculous. Then they said, nah, even though you know more about Indiana than anybody in the history of the world, we're gonna give the job to Tom Crean, and that's fine. I like Tom. Then they give it to this idiot Archie Miller, who can't coach blind turkeys to take a shit. And now they give it to my guy Mike Woodson, and Indiana still stinks. With all due respect to Shut Dane Fife, with all due respect. To everybody, why in the fuck does Indiana still have to have Mike Woodson or, excuse me, Bob Knight coaching the team? Sorry for swearing, but will somebody explain this to me? Bob Knight got done coaching in like 2000 at Indiana. You know, he grabbed some student's hand. I mean, unlike that chicken blank, uh, Jawan Howard over the top. Knight said, hey, son, call me coach or mister. That got his ass fired. Of course, he did a thousand other things that were idiotic. But that, all right. Does Bob Knight have to coach Indiana for Indiana to be any good? Does Bob Knight have to be at the helm? Is that what has to happen here? Was Bob Knight that big of a difference maker for Indiana University? Indiana lost last night to Rutgers basketball. Hey, I like Steve Peichel. Great team, great guy, blah, 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 blah. Not a great team. But Ron Harper Jr. steps into a three, drills it. Indiana loses. I don't know whether they're going to make the tournament. Hell, it's almost impossible not to make the tournament when you are at Indiana. I mean, it literally is almost impossible. Like, at Indiana, you play so many teams that all you got to do is beat a couple. Indiana is actually in the hunt, like, first four out, according to Lenardi, and they've only beaten Ohio State and Purdue and Notre Dame that are any good. Like, they've beaten all kinds of teams in their own conference that are crap. It's almost impossible, and Indiana hasn't made it in six effing years. Is Bob Knight that important? I mean, do we have to go bring his carcass out from his house, you know, where he's at right now, battling health issues, and sit him there for Indiana to win a, a freaking game? I mean, explain it to me. I can explain it to you. You got no heart in that program. There's no heart on that team. Do you know how hard it is for me to say that? I know this is a national show. I know those of you out there, a lot of you don't care about Indiana. But sometimes a host just got to get some shit off his chest. And I feel like I do this with IU basketball once every two weeks. How is it possible that Indiana University men's basketball team has such shitty players with such shitty mentalities? Look, Indiana was bad my senior year, but, hell, we were kicking guys off. I mean, it was a mess, but at least there was a, I don't know, kind of, sort of an excuse. But, my God, this is just – are you watching – And you're going, well, you know, uh, these lousy-ass players, and I know we're not allowed to say lousy-ass players. Like in my day, that's all you heard was how shitty you were as a player. But now these are just kids. No, these are just little babies. No, they're lousy-ass players in Indiana with no heart, none, zero, zip. We got guys that are coming in as fifth-year seniors that are more worried about the NIL and their little vlog. What the is a vlog? Explain a vlog to me. Oh, well, I'm going to do my video blog. Shut up! How about you get on a team, you fit into a team, and you try to win an effing game? Well, I'm gonna do my NIL. Then I got mommies on Twitter saying, play my son. Your son sucks! It isn't always on the coach, ladies and gentlemen. And don't give me the crap that these are just kids. I wasn't a kid. I wasn't a kid when my ass got ripped in the Indy Star for turning the ball over in the NCAA tournament. I wasn't a kid. Alford wasn't a kid. Woodson, the coach, wasn't a kid. All of a sudden, everybody's a kid. Shut up. I live in the real world. I live in a world where 18-year-olds can smoke, 18-year-olds can go to war. Shut up with the kid. If you're good enough and tough enough to get to Indiana, you ain't a normal kid. Yeah, kids are the little fat kids sitting in the basement watching a video game going, Mom, 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 I just lost my Pokemon at 20 years old. Those are kids. Oh, Now, to play in Indiana, you got to walk like a man. And these dudes at in Indiana don't walk like men. How many years can you get your ass beat at Indiana with 17,200 and whatever every night where you're an absolute frickin' rock star? And this isn't the phony rock star stuff. This is you're a legit rock star because the state of Indiana loves basketball. I was going to make an analogy there, but I do not want to get in trouble. So Indiana last night does what these clowns that play basketball at Indiana do. Get their ass beat. Six years. Six, and I was one of those clowns. Don't get me wrong. Back, hey, I felt like in 1985 my team was shitty, didn't make the tournament. I know from what I speak. I'm not calling out the players because I'm just mad at players. I knew back in my day when we did not play well, the players didn't play well. I also knew when we whooped Michael Jordan's ass in the NCAA tournament, Bob Knight didn't have jack squat to do with it. So it is on the players. You want to win? Players. Hey, last night, uh, guess what? Coming down the court, Ron Harper Jr., whap. Yeah. That's the what players do. Drive you nuts. Now, I understand. Just drive you freaking nuts. As a former player. See, other former players at Indiana that were there three or four years, they're just like, well, I just want to be nice because, you know, I get my tickets. I don't give a shit if I ever go to another Indiana game, if that's the way they're going to play. I went to one game. They played great. For some reason, they made me wear a mask. I don't know why. I'll show you a picture of your all's beloved president in a minute. But Indiana, my ass, it's on my TV right now. 63-63. Ron Harper gets the ball. He dribbles it up the court. He's going to stop. He's going to pop. As an Indiana player, backs up. Just backs up. This is where the difference is. And this is why I don't give a rat's ass about mommies and daddies. Let me tell you what would have happened when Indiana was actually good. At 12.01 p.m. last night, Indiana would have been practicing under Bob Knight. Guys might have quit. Mommies might have called. Daddies might have whined. Handlers might have called. Doesn't matter. Now all you got is excuses. Just back up and let a guy drill a three. I'm sorry, this rant's going too long, but I've had enough. I mean, watching this shit will make your head peel. See? My head is peeling. It'll make your head peel. And I'm not even as hot as I could be. I'm just a little hot today. But the bullshit of Indiana. Now, has gotten me nuts. Like, I watch Creighton. You know what Creighton did last night? Let me go through some games for you last night. Here came UConn. UConn comes into Creighton. UConn, a team that's won national championships. You know know what Creighton did? They won the freaking game. You know what Indiana did? They got beat. Florida State. Notre Dame comes into Florida State. You know what Florida State has dealt with? They've lost like half their team. They've lost half their team. Notre Dame's all right. Hell, Indiana's already beaten Notre Dame. You know what what happens when Notre Dame comes into Florida State? You know what happens? Florida State beats them. You know what happens when Rutgers comes into Indiana? Rutgers beats Indiana. Why is Rutgers, excuse me, why is uh, Creighton, why is Florida State, oh yeah, by the way, let me give you St. Frickin' John's who stinks. Indiana's already beaten St. John's. At one point, Xavier was a top 25 team. So Xavier comes into St. John's last night. You know what happens to Xavier? They get their ass beat. They get their ass beat. So, what does Indiana do? This bastion of basketball. Mike Woodson talks in the third person when they hire. And I love Woody. But he said, well, you know, if you want to get Mike Woodson, then you've got to fly Mike Woodson and meet with Mike Woodson face-to-face. Yeah? Really? All right. Honest to God, and I don't even want to coach. I don't. But watching this shit, watching these players, I swear to God, if tomorrow Mike Woodson announced we are getting rid of half of our team, I'd say, hey, look, man, we got a chance. But when you look at it from my perspective, Creighton taking on number 18 UConn, packed house in Omaha, UConn playing well, just had a huge win over Villanova, right? When Danny Hurley got the boot, right? She. They just win. And they just, you come in our house, we're going to win. Florida State, I'll bet you, I didn't even look, but I'll bet you there weren't 5,000 people in that gym last night. I'll bet you there weren't 5,000. What do they do? They win. What does Indiana do? Indiana freaking can't beat Rutgers. Rutgers. The state whatever of New Jersey. Fucking Rutgers. Rutgers can't beat them. You got a whole state. You know, hey, in 50 other states, 49 other states, it's just a game. In Indiana, basketball is life, or whatever the F they say. Rutgers comes into Indiana at a game that determines if you're going to the NCAA effing tournament. And beats Indiana's ass. And the only reason it was even close was some kid from Rutgers swung and hit Xavier Johnson in the face. Or it would have been a 10-point game by the end of free throws. Rutgers. I want you to think about that. Rutgers comes into Indiana. It's bullshit. It's total bullshit in Indiana. Is Bob Knight that important? Drive you nuts. All right. Um, Speaking of bullshit, I know I'm going off script here, Dylan. Can you put the picture? That somehow, someway, you all defend. I mean, it is pure evil what is happening these days in our country. Pure fucking evil. I'm trying not to drop F-bombs today, but it is. It's absolutely pure evil. So you're all president, the guy that some of you will defend, like it don't matter. Like Anytime you say anything about Joe Biden, some idiot on Twitter or wherever talks about Donald Trump. I don't give a shit about Donald Trump. He ain't the president. I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but your boy, Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, look at this picture. So Joe Biden on Monday, mask in the middle of the field. Oh, by the way, National television the next night, no mask. By Wednesday, guess what Sleepy Joe's doing again? This is frickin' evil to ask American people when you know masks are crap right now. You know they're crap, as evidenced by Tuesday, you know you're just suppressing people, and that is frickin' evil. Now, you can tell me, Dockets state of sports. It ain't happening, dumbass. I ain't sticking to sports. There ain't no chance. And let you fools that will defend this stupidity, and you don't even defend it. Nobody defends Biden at all. You know what they do? They go that well, Donald Trump. Donald Trump ain't the president. Pure evil when you do that to your people. Pure evil. And I understand. I totally get it. There are people that because they're so locked into their party or they are so locked into hating Donald Trump that can't see it. That's why you got shows like mine. Honest to God, that's why you got shows like mine. Because I'm not, look, if I were at ESPN, middle, a 59-year-old white guy saying anything political, are you out of your freaking mind? I'd have been fired 100 years ago. That's why I left ESPN. So I think the country needs me. I think the country needs my help. I think the world needs my help because people are too stupid. They align themselves with their own party. I don't have a political party. I just simply watch. I just simply read. I just simply listen. I have it in reverse order. Listening is the most important thing. But people are so stupid, so stupid... That they say, well, whatever he does is right. Put masks on our kids on, uh, oh, I don't know, Tuesday. And, you know, uh, Tuesday night, we'll have to wear masks inside at the State of the Union, and that's okay. No, it's not okay. It's pure evil. And if you don't understand it, that's on you. <laughs> that is so on you. Can you imagine if I said this on ESPN? Oh, my God, the grifters would be pissed off. I mean, you know, free at last I am, free to speak. Listen to this. So here's Ed Rogers. Again, Ed Rogers, good for you. I'm not even reading your nonsense. You're so deep into your little party and the Trump, I never knew, I thought it was stupid. The whole Trump derangement thing. I thought it was stupid but that's all anybody talks about. That's all anybody talks about. Well, Donald Trump did this. Well, so what? He's the president. Well, he's the voice of the Republican party. So what? Well, if Donald Trump, how about just focusing on the person who is putting masks on our children when they don't know, when they don't wear masks themselves, because they know masks aren't worth a shit right now. But uh, Donald Trump said this about uh, 10 years ago. Uh, idiots. Idiots. I can't help idiots. I'm no longer. See, one of the things on Twitter that I've done is I've lowered myself to idiots. And I ain't doing it. But Donald Trump was an idiot. Oh, okay. If you don't think this is pure evil, I can't help you. I'm sorry. I can't help you. Then you're too stupid to help. I mean, that's all I can tell you. And I know as a talk show host, you're not supposed to call your audience too stupid, but if you don't understand it, then you're too fucking stupid. I mean, I'm sorry. If, if your initial reaction is to figure out sometime 25 years ago where Donald Trump said something, that's your answer to the pure evil going on by masking our kids while you on national TV know you're going to get your ass kicked in the midterms unless, of course, there's a ton of votes that are counted in the middle of the night like last time when nobody's around. Uh, You're pure evil and stupid. That's all I got to say. All right. The Dolphins wised up. The Dolphins wised up. And they have decided we are out of the Deshaun Watson business. I I, got to tell you, in my world, I don't care about the Dolphins. I used to. And this is what's interesting. Guys my age remember when the Dolphins were the best team in football. Guys my age remember when the Dolphins were the team that the standard of everybody else was right here, and it was the Dolphins. Great uniforms, Sunshine, kick Zonka, Morris, Warfield. I mean, they they were fantastic. They were absolutely fantastic. Well, now I don't give two shits about the Dolphins. I don't. I'm sorry. But I will say this – them being out of the Deshaun Watson business should not be news. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, let's call it like it is. The dude's got 22 civil cases. Dude's got 10 pending possible criminal cases. What is anybody doing involving themselves with Deshaun Watson? Like, you know, NFL, how about at least have a little bit of a morality to you? I mean, I get it, you pose for different things. I get it, you genuflect. I get all that crap. I get what you're doing with that. You have to be out in front. You think we actually give a shit that you all align yourself with the military. There's nothing less military than the NFL. I mean, I'm sorry. There's not. These guys get actual bullets and guns and bombs shot at them. The NFL gets nothing. Just stop. But anyway, you do it, and we all go, yay, rah, And then, of course, the whole race thing, we all understand that. That's your thing. Good. Great. Should be. No problem. But let's be totally honest here. There should be a baseline for a little bit of morality. No? 22 civil cases? And by the way, where's the Me Too movement on Deshaun Watson? Where the hell is the Me Too movement? The Me Too movement was all about everything. What? You can't go at Deshaun Watson? It was only Hollywood producers. It wasn't actually real across the board. 22 cases. Not one. I mean, I could count them up for you. Where the hell's the Me Too movement on that? Where is it? Where's the Me Too movement on the possible 10 uh, legal cases on this guy? But, hey, uh, we all say, whoa, what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson? I'll tell you what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson. He shouldn't play until this thing is resolved. And if you're stupid enough to involve yourself with Deshaun Watson, then God bless you. Hope you get fleeced. Drive you nuts. Uh, I love what the Cardinals did. The Cardinals basically gave Kyler Murray a stick it. That's what they did. They signed their GM, Steve Keim. They signed their coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Now, they're saying we want a long-term uh, deal with Kyler Murray, but it isn't done. And after Kyler Murray came out with that chicken shit, childish, uh, whatever deal that they had, I love the fact that he came in and said, hey, look, we're going to sign. We're going to sign these GMs. You don't like it? Tough. As my boy Bob Street used to say, play better. Play better. That's all. Play better. Kyler Murray's really good. I would love to have Kyler Murray quarterback the Colts, but let's be honest. By the end of the year, he was nonsense, and also he went as chicken shit as Ben Simmons. Oh my God, the coach insulted me. I'm getting too much heat. I hate it. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus Christ! You can't what? You can't insult. You can't say that a player uh, had a bad day. You can't do that. Is that not permissible? Jesus, what a frickin' train wreck. I had Chris Ballard on my show yesterday, and I asked him, can you criticize a player? And he said, yeah, you have tough conversations with him. Yeah, you do, and that's great. You have tough conversations with him. All right. But, my God, the mismanagement, I'm just, I'm on one today. My head, is blew up. My head's exploded. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just what it is. Uh, Kevin Durant comes back tonight. That's exciting. I wish he wouldn't look so miserable all the time when I see him interviewed. He always looks miserable. The dude's got an unbelievable life rolling on. Like nobody knows what's actually happening inside of his life. I get that. But the dude's making hundreds of millions of dollars. He gets to play basketball. He's basically dictated where he goes. His legacy's solid because he jumped on with Steve – not Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr hadn't done shit. Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and them and got himself a title. I mean, every time I see the guy, he's sitting back like he's mad. Like, guys that have to act like tough guys are never that tough. Guys that act like sweethearts like me are always really tough. I don't know. Put yourself in my place just for a second. Just for a second. You're at Indiana. Used to be the X. I'm sorry, but I can't stop. The expectation used to be to go to the final four. So Woodson comes in, right? All he's got to do is get to the NCAA tournament with these guys. That's all he's got to do. Used to be if you didn't go to the Final Four, well, you didn't get to the second weekend. So Rutgers comes in, win the game. You're going to the tournament, at least according to Joe Lenardi. And you can't beat Rutgers. And then you look around, and you know what's happening? Creighton's winning at home against UConn. Florida State's winning at home against Notre Dame. St. John's is winning at home, and I can go more and more. Hell, LSU came into Arkansas. Arkansas coming off a big win. Jesus. You know, in Indiana, you know what we do? We still blame Andrew effing Luck. Andrew Luck for the Colts having a shit quarterback position. We still blame Andrew Luck for that. We do. In Indiana, we still say, well, but we haven't gotten over Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight coached at Indiana 22 years ago. Can I say that again? Twenty-two years ago. That is an entire person that gets born and becomes legally able to drink in this country. Twenty-two years. Uh, Andrew Luck retired four or five years ago. And in Indiana, we still say, Andrew Luck, man, we haven't recovered. Had seven quarterbacks in there. Four quarterbacks. It's unbelievable. But such is my life. All right, last week, Jason Hammer, who is an icon in the state of Indiana, gave you not one, not two, not three, four winners on this show. When you give four winners on my show, you know what I do? I bring your ass back. Hey, let's be honest. The majority of us like to Gamble, and I got some games for you to gamble on. It's an unbelievable weekend in college basketball. But the majority of us like to gamble, right? Hammer goes 4-0. I'm bringing Hammer back. Hello, George Monahan. Hello, Sean Black. Hello, Big McSteel. So Hammer, who hosts a show called All Indiana Bets, Hammer, who has the most popular radio show in the state of Indiana, it's a political show, Here's what you got to do with my boy Hammer. He's he's going to come on. You simply hold on. Get yourself a pen. Get a pen. Write down what he's going to tell you both politically, socially, and gambling. And you're going to get rich. We'll be right back. It's Hammer time, baby. Let's go. Uh, it is Hammer time. Boom, 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 boom. But, oh wait, is that hammer time? I don't even know. It's hammer It time. is. Look, every time, Jason, when you come on, three things happen. Number one, uh, there's just too much handsome between you and me. That's number one. <laughs> uh, number two, we the political landscape of the world becomes much better. So let's dive right in. Uh, hey, Dylan, can you put that picture up? Uh, again, of Biden on Monday walking or whatever you call that through a field with a mask on with no one around. Then, of course, the State of the Union where Biden and all of the sycophants don't have masks on because, well, it's national TV and there's midterms coming up. And then yesterday at some event, Biden has a mask. What say you on all this? Isn't it crazy how the
1: science has always matched up with big events in washington for democrats the science has always worked out in their favor it's it's rather shocking and don't get it twisted because a lot of these blue states right now uh they're acting like well we're the beacons of freedom you can take your masks off there's no more restrictions you're welcome for your freedom is anybody fooled by this these are the same people that took it away for the most part that's the party the left that put the mandates into place and now they're acting like they're doing you a favor these folks are the same people that are consultants right we all work at a job where there's a consultant that comes in and i've said before that consultants are just people who take your watch give it to you and tell you what time it is that's the same thing that's going on right here you've got these folks who have put these mandates in place Maybe it's cost you your job and now they're doing a victory lab about how they're the bastion of freedom. Don't be fooled by it. These people will put these things back into place when it's convenient.
0: It's total crap. I mean, it, it, it's, and I say it's evil. Like people are like, well, it's not evil. No, it's evil when you have people uh, that do that. I think it's totally evil. I think it's evil. <laughs> Kat I just do. jumped up here on the thing. Speaking of evil, look at this rotten bastard. Um, uh, And
1: and going into Joe Biden's uh, State of the Union speech here, bragging about all the jobs that he created. OK, let's pump the brakes here just a little bit. Look around. There are people watching this show right now, Dan, from all over the country. I challenge them. Drive through the major strip of your town. Tell me if you think jobs are good right now. There's only been one jobs report in the last four that hasn't been embarrassingly off pace. Only one out of four. And they're doing a victory lap. These people are standing up in the people's house, clapping and cheering like the seals that they are, thinking that they've done something great. Well, we've, we've created 6 million jobs. No, you don't get to do a victory lap for 6 million jobs created because these people are getting their jobs back that people like you took from them. That doesn't work that way. So I'm not buying any of this. I know I might sound cynical here, but look at the people we're dealing with. These are rotten, horrible people, and it's on both sides. The state that we live in, my state, Indiana, there's a Republican governor that might as well have a D next to his name. He hasn't met a lockdown restriction that he hasn't loved yet. Governor Holcomb in Indiana is the same governor who wanted to arrest people. Violating the mask mandate when the pandemic first started, and had it not been for the attorney general, he probably would have gotten his
0: way. Yeah, it's it, it's frustrating to me. All right, Russia, Ukraine, what you're thinking, man? I tell you what, people in this country, we've kind of gotten used to the
1: culture that we live in, right? Where you see a conflict, and it's done with aerial assaults, it's done with drones. This really isn't just that. This is bloody. This is dead children. This is civilians being targeted. This is hospitals being targeted. War is hell. And with the media apparatus that we have right now, whether it's television, whether it's on uh, social media, we're seeing how awful war is. And the thing is, we think the Disney movie ending is going to happen. Very rarely, do you get the Disney movie ending? We all want to see the people of Ukraine fight off the Russians, give Vlad Putin the finger, and everybody moves on, lives their lives happily ever after. That's probably not going to happen. And listen, I'm rooting for the Ukrainians more than anybody else is because blank Russia. But you look at the sheer numbers here, unless they get some sort of help, Uh, This is going to get dragged on. It's going to be bloody. It's going to cost lives. And I don't think unless something changes or somebody jumps in the mix, you're going to get that Disney movie finish. And what's the end game? So let's say that Russia does take Ukraine and they either kill Zelensky or they put in some sort of new government, uh, this puppet uh, government, where basically Putin would run. What happens then? Because the way that the people of Ukraine have learned to train, they're going to be around for a while. I spoke to some military experts and some folks that have served in Afghanistan and the United States took Fallujah. What did that mean? It didn't really mean a whole lot because there was fighting for years and years after that. A lot of lives were lost just because you take somebody's government doesn't mean that the war is over. The Ukrainians have learned to fight and they've learned that they've got some allies as well. And last thing here, keep in mind what's happened in Ukraine. They've armed the citizens, okay, but they've also released the prisoners and armed the citizens there. Now, anybody that's done a little bit of research on how that's played out in the Middle East, that's basically how ISIS was formed. You free your prisoners, you allow them to fight against the bad guys, and then years down the line, now you've got these radical militia folks and you don't know what they're up to and i'm not mad at Zelensky for doing it i mean he's doing everything he can uh hats off to him i wish nothing but the best but this isn't over even if russia takes ukraine they're bombing the bejesus out of Kharkiv. they're going all around uh we hear about this 40 mile convoy all this kind of stuff if they do take ukraine and put some sort of puppet government in there that doesn't mean this is over. You've got years of bloodshed ahead of you. What should the what should United States
0: involvement be? The
1: United States involvement should be providing weapons, which they are now. We found out yesterday that uh, $350 million of uh, weaponry is being sent from the United States Department of Defense to the Ukrainians. Uh, night vision stuff, things to where they could shoot down Uh, Russian helicopters, but the worst thing that the United States can do is get involved in this airspace debate. I know Zelensky is demanding that the United States call for a no-fly zone over Russia, but think about what that really means. That means that if you're going to have a no-fly zone, you're going to need to enforce a no-fly zone. So are you going to shoot down a Russian plane when they violate it? Because you know they're going to. The Russians always done this, whether it's international waters, whether it's airspace, they'll violate a no-fly zone. Are you willing to shoot down a Russian fighter pilot right now, which would be an act of war, and get yourself in the mix? I don't know about you, coach. I don't think that's something that the United States really needs to be a part of. I'm fine with all of Europe kind of taking the lead on this and the United States sitting in the back a little bit.
0: are you, well, where are you with the whole debate? You know, um, Putin wasn't going to mess with Trump, so he invaded because Biden is weak. Where are you on I that? I think that's accurate. I think
1: that's incredibly accurate. Listen, I don't know if Vladimir Putin respected Donald Trump, but I think there was a little bit of fear factor in there. I think Vladimir Putin looked at the orange man and said, look, I don't know how seriously I can take this guy, but he seems like he's kind of a crazy bastard. And he told me to my face that if we got squirrely, he would bomb Moscow. Now, words are one thing. But then when you see that that same guy blew Soleimani to hell, got El baghdadi dead, and dropped the MOAB bomb on an ISIS caliphate that was moving through the region, you might want to pump the brakes a little bit. Um, There's a fine line between I want to be a strong leader and screw around and find out. And I don't think Vladimir Putin was willing to try that with Donald Trump.
0: Do you think this is a result of or let me back up. Do you think that the United States, because it has looked weak, do you think that that's one of the reasons that this invasion happened? Maybe not the reason, but one of the reason. And do you think the United States does look weak under Biden? Yes. Yes. And
1: it goes back to some of the previous things we talked about. If you looked at the way the Afghan exit was handled, if you're a world leader who's power hungry, why would you not think this is the time to strike? Right? Listen, the world leaders have the internet. The world leaders have access to intel and information. They know what's going on. It's not just the United States that has social media and Internet. It's all over the world. So you're seeing this horrific situation in Afghanistan where you announce when you're leaving before you get your people out. 13 brave men and women, heroes of this country, lost their life as a result of the incompetence and horrible planning. And I can back that up because now we have reports that state Joe Biden knew long before uh, those horrible days at the end that the local Afghan army was failing and they were going to fold and the Taliban was going to take over. He knew that long in advance, yet still dragged his feet with this awful exit. And if you're Vladimir Putin, if you're President G, even if you're a fat boy over in North Korea, you're probably looking at yourself going, OK, we got a new ball game here. These guys are over here fighting about what kind of CRT materials they want the military to read. These guys are over here fighting about what gender a military general should be. And they don't know they're end from a hole in the wall when right. it comes to an exit strategy right now. This is the time. This is the window. And if you're Vlad, you're what, 70 years old? You're not getting any younger. There's questions about his mental capacity right now. We've heard that from Macron. We've heard that from a lot of people. He's a legacy guy. He's a KGB, big Soviet Union guy. He wants to go down as Stalin. He wants to go down as Lenin. He thinks this is his time to get the band back together, to try to get that Soviet Union back together. And he knows now is the time to act.
0: You know, it it is amazing the shit that we worry about you know like you mentioned it the gender of a general and all you know it, it is just fascinating the stupidity while others get after it and get going uh let me go last thing uh, on the entire russian conflict you mentioned something that i always talk about uh the end game is it possible that this end game ends well for the ukraine unless they get help i don't see it ending well and i hate that I I, I want
1: Ukraine to, you know, be a free state. I support their fight. I mean, hell, it's honorable. The sack on Zelensky right now, going against the world's biggest bully and not leaving and staying to fight um, and rallying his people. It's admirable. They're admirable. They're going to make a movie about this guy one day. But I don't know, like I said earlier, if you're going to get that happy ending. I don't think you're going to get that Disney ending because of the sheer numbers. Listen, we've all seen the news. We know that Kiev uh, has been battling, right? They've been holding off the convoy. They haven't surrendered their government yet. The leaders are all there. But look around everywhere else, from Chernobyl to Kharkiv. It's a bloodbath. And the sheer numbers right now are on the side of the Russians, and unless they get some sort of help, unless somebody jumps in that wants to help them militarily, not just with weapons, uh, but if somebody wants to jump in with some bodies, I don't know how much longer this can go on, Coach.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I don't see. I don't see a. Well, you said it best. I I don't see a Hollywood ending here, where all of a sudden the little guy, you know, uh, David slays Goliath here. I I just don't. And to your other point, you know, we talk about Endgame. Uh, what are we talking about? Twenty, thirty years down the road? I mean, this right. isn't. This isn't like, hey, we we've taken over and everybody puts their hands up and and uh, you know salutes Putin. Well, that, that that ain't this. This is right. And this you've is, got the this United is States this is saying
1: that, well, we've got these sanctions in place. And yes, it does hurt the ruble. Their economy will be hurt. Their economy will be crushed. But let's not act like they don't have any money coming in. China has already said that they're not going to sanction Russia, of course. I mean, anybody with common sense could see that coming. India is already trying to find a way to make some trades. India wants to continue making deals with Russia. And oh, by the way the United States is still buying a buttload of Russian oil. So as as much as we're pouring out Russian vodka over here and we've decided to stop drinking Moscow mules, don't forget that the United States government is still buying Russian oil.
0: Yeah, we're buying Russian oil while we're wearing t-shirts that say, I stand with the Ukraine. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, how about we stop that? (laughs) Whatever. Uh, DeSantis against Trump, is that what we're going to see? Because it seems to me that Donald Trump is distancing himself from his one-time friend, Ron DeSantis. It is.
1: This is going to be fascinating, man. I am here for this, because the Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, happened uh, last week down in Florida, and every year they do one of these straw polls to see where the party's at, who are the front runners. It's overwhelming. Donald Trump is the favorite to... Uh, become the nominee of the Republicans again. So what does this mean for Ron DeSantis? Because there's a lot of people, myself included, that feel like the Republicans have a better chance of winning with Ron DeSantis. Now, that's not a knock on Donald Trump's policies. If I got four more years of Donald Trump's policies, I'm not going to complain about that one bit. The economy was good. Jobs were good. The border was secure. Um, things were In my world, we're okay. You know, not everybody would agree with that, but the major things that I care about were just fine. But he is also a lightning rod for the left. Folks hate him so much. It doesn't matter how bad Biden's been, and he's been real bad. They will come out and vote against Donald Trump because of his Twitter account, because he called a porn star horse face, because he cheated on his wife. Find any excuse that you want. He's the lightning rod. And whether you believe that some votes were, eh, you know, played with a little bit or not, not going to get into that debate, but folks will line up to vote against him. I don't think that level of angst is there for Ron DeSantis just yet. I think if you walk through most barbershops in America, most diners, most, you know, shopping malls, and you ask them, what do you think about Ron DeSantis? A lot of people have no idea who he is. You ask about Donald Trump, I promise people have already made up their mind.
0: Hey, before we get into your picks, there's some weird shit at that State of the Union. Two things. What was Nancy Pelosi doing behind freaking Biden like a little bird? I, and I think her face got away from her going to the right. I think, and, and then what in the hell is Biden doing leaning in, headbutting people? <laughs> first of all that's just
1: joe Biden. biden things that's joe biden that's who he is um i'm surprised he didn't take a big whiff out of somebody's hair now as for pelosi i don't know what the hell she was thinking it was so weird just watching that right you had kamala (laughs) harris giving you that soul-sucking death stare not even moving she looked like a mannequin sitting there and then with pelosi her weird reaction to Joe Biden talking about burn pits. And I don't know what she has had stuck in her teeth, but apparently it's been there for about 15 years because every year when we come back and watch this thing, she's smacking her you know, gums around, taking her tongue, trying to get it out. It's disgusting. It's like going over to your relative's house on Thanksgiving and everybody's old grandpa or old uncle that just don't give a damn anymore sitting at the dinner table fidgeting with their dentures. It's what it's like on a national level.
0: <laughs> Honest to God, and she stands up. Shermer stands up. It's like it's rehearsed. <laughs> Did they have a walkthrough before? Did they like have a, a walkthrough where, okay, you're going to stand and Shermer missed it? Pelosi, when Lee said to me, she goes, Dan her face got away from her like her face was a living being, you know, and it just pulled her over here to the right. I, I I couldn't stop laughing. It was a shit show that was so spectacular. Why doesn't Biden ever lean in and headbutt Men. Is there any video of that? Is it always young girls or older women? What is it with? The headbutts
1: are women. The push up contests are men. Don't forget that. He's a big how many push-ups you want to do here, pal guy. Or if he's on the campaign stump, like he was in Iowa, he'll call somebody Fat. Look, fat, here's the deal.
0: I love it. Oh, all right, you ready? You killed it. Four and oh last week, big boy. do it. So, first pick on the board here,
1: uh, we got a little Big Ten clash here. Michigan State on the road at Ohio State. Now, the Buckeyes coming off a couple of nasty losses to Maryland and Nebraska, I believe, which is why it's the perfect time to scoop up the Buckeyes tonight. Six points is the spread. Ohio State is a six-point favorite at home against Sparty. Sparty had a rough, rough February. Outside of the Purdue game, it was a pretty rough month. From Michigan State. Feels like the Purdue game was a little bit of an anomaly and Holtman at Ohio State too good of a coach to have the Buckeyes lay three eggs in a row. Coming off two bad losses, knowing the way Holtman does business, and we know him as a former Butler coach here in Indy those guys work their tails off in practice. I can't see the Buckeyes laying three turds in a row lay the six, take Ohio State at home tonight
0: Woo! That's two reeling teams. That's that's going against Izzo in March, big boy, isn't it? Like January, <laughs> February, Izzo, April. You know, isn't that going against the is with points in March? Uh, I'm betting you a six on that one. I'll take Izzo. You're in the on. Points. You are on like Donkey Kong. All right, yeah. game number two. Yeah, I'm take. I'll take
1: Izzo. <laughs> Give it to. Keeping me. it in the Big Ten. We've got Penn State on the road at Illinois. Over-under is set at 134. We're going to take the over in this one. Now, let me break this down for you here. Penn State can't guard the three. They are atrocious at guarding the three. Illinois, on the other hand, has got some shooters. I believe they're near the top, or maybe they're even number one in three-pointers in the Big Ten. So if Illinois averages around 76 points per game, which is the case, add a few more to that because Penn State can't guard the three. Let's make that... Worst case scenario, 80. That's 80 of your 134. You just need a little bit of help from Penn State, and your toes are tapping here. The last time Penn State played, looking at the numbers here, uh, they played Nebraska. Nebraska hit 13 three-pointers out of 20 against Penn State. Illinois is a hell of a lot better. It has better shooters than Nebraska does. We are going to go over 134 in that.
0: I feel like in the Big Ten, and I'm sure this is wrong. Um, anytime I see a number in the 130s, I take it As, and I take the over. Now, I, what was Indiana last night? Like see, Indiana only went to 129. That's fine. But if I see it in the 30s, uh, 130s, I, I feel like I'm taking it. And you know what? If I win, fine. If I lose, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to win 70% of the time. I might lose, but I think it's the right bet. I do in the Big right. Ten. You know what I mean? 100%. I, I, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Yeah. And I think if um, this game goes the way we'll we
1: think f- it is, which Illinois is probably going to win this game going away, you'll get into some garbage time late in the game, and it becomes a street game. Keep those points coming. Keep them rolling. We're
0: going over 134. All right. I got one more for you here. Hey, sp- oh, hold on. Before we get to the degenerate special, which is glorious, Indiana, what would you think? Here, here's what I've been saying, all right? Number 18 in the country, UConn, goes into Creighton, and Creighton beats their ass. Notre Dame's playing for an ACC one 1-2-3 seed. They go into Florida State. Florida State beats their ass. LSU's playing well. They go into Arkansas. Arkansas beats their ass. Indiana can't beat effing Rutgers, big boy. No. Can't beat Rutgers. <laughs> What'd you think? Being a college
1: basketball fan in Indiana right now is trying to, like, Watch Joe Biden walk up those stairs on Air Force One. It's one tumble after the other. You think Indiana has played their way in the tournament? They lose the Rutgers. You keep hearing from all the Purdue fans this is a once in a lifetime generational team. We got a lottery pick. You can't win the Big Ten regular season championship. Butler stinks. Evansville stinks. Notre Dame chokes. IUPUI had five guys, and I'm not even making that up, five damn <laughs> guys on their roster. You know, I know Purdue's going to be in the tournament, Notre Dame, most likely. But that doesn't mean that it's a good time to be a college basketball fan here in the Hoosier State.
0: No. And your school ball states. They do. So there you go. They stakes. (laughs) I know. But you know who doesn't stink? Fort Wayne.
1: Fort Wayne made us some money last week.
0: They did uh, the degenerate special before you ask me, not, not Jason, but you watching say, what the hell is a Tarlington state? Remember Billy Gillespie, the coach at Kentucky and Texas A&M is the coach at Tarlington state. Give me the degenerate special. Big oh, boy. we're going to the whack, the wiggity wiggity whack. We got Tarleton state. We got
1: Sam Houston state and the line is six. Sam Houston is a six point favorite here Tarleton State, they played these guys twice now. They've split. The last meeting, Tarleton State beat them by 11 on January 6th. Tarleton State likes to play a little defense here. They've won six of their last eight games, but six of those wins, they barely got above 75 points, which tells us defensively is kind of where they're hanging their hat here. And if this game is as close as we think it's going to be, This is the rubber match, right? This is the third time they met. These teams know each other. I think it's going to be close. And I kind of want the team getting the points in this case. And six is a pretty good number for a team that beat these guys by 11 not that long ago. And when you look at the preseason schedule, it kind of feels like this is the moment Tarleton State's been waiting for. Look at this gauntlet of games that Tarleton State played in the non-conference. All road games. Stanford, Kansas, Wichita, Michigan, and Gonzaga. And it was only single-digit losses to Michigan and Gonzaga. So you factor that in. You factor the fact that they just beat these guys January 6th, beat them by 11. They play a little bit of defense. I think it's going to be close. Take a big whiff. That smells like getting the points and going to the bank. Give me Tarleton State plus six, and that is your degenerate special. Question: Where is Tarleton State? In Texas. Like everybody in the whack now is basically in Texas for some reason.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's and that's why they hired Billy Gillespie. Nobody, nobody can uh, sniff around Texas and get guys like Chris Beard and Billy <laughs> Gillespie. All right, big boy. We got three big bets. We got uh, a degenerate special. Life is good. IUPUI with five players, though they battled Oakland. They tried. They gave them hell. They didn't. uh, Oakland. I think it was Oakland. One able to cover. So good for IUPUI. That that tells you all you need to
1: know about the state of college basketball right now in Indiana. We're celebrating IUPUI's five guys covering.
0: Yeah, I don't. I when you when you laid it out like you did, man. Glum. It should be the whatever the right word is. No, no. All right, we'll be we'll be back with Paul Kuharski. You're the best, Hammer. Time. Have fun, my friend. He's the best. It's my man, Jason Hammer. You can follow him at Jason Allen Hammer. You can listen to him on live and in person. From the Combine. I love watching Elon, center fielder, make a catch. My son coaches at Elon. I am all in on Elon. I love it. Sports Center's been showing it all morning, and I am all about it. Anyway, I got distracted there. Uh, Pauli Kuarski's gonna join us. Who's been good? Who's been bad? Who's been happy? Who's been sad? Coming up live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Combine, which is right here in Indianapolis. Hey, I don't live in the suburbs, I live in Indianapolis, baby. Fastest murder city in the country. That's right. That's what we do. We kill people around here. We'll be back. Uh, You hear them, you know them, you love them, and you see them and listen to them every day. Outkick 360. It is America's finest afternoon radio slash YouTube slash TV show. Paul Kuharski, live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Combine. So you were sitting in a hallway yesterday ordering Chinese working. That was your day at the Combine. No St. Elmo's.
2: Uh, I have not been to St. Elmo's. I went to a restaurant two nights ago with some old friends, uh, Bluebeard. I'll give it a shout out. You haven't heard of it. I can't tell you in the neighborhood. It was on the fringes of the of downtown. It was great. But last night, yeah, I uh, I worked till nine and uh, ordered Chinese from here. And it was uh, still not in the lobby when I got there, unfortunately. So I waited them out. You know, this is, a, I'll, I'll use Outkick 360 stuff. This is going to be my primary complaint next week. DoorDash has this tendency, Dan, I don't know if you use it. They say your, your driver is approaching. Approaching is a very loose term. It, it could mean they're, they're about to walk in the door, or it could mean they're 10 miles away. Approaching, it's very broad.
0: Well, as a door dasher, I lost four grand last year on the first round of the NCAA tournament. I door dashed to make that up. I don't see that side of it, you know. Um, but, and I've never door dashed. I've never, because I door dash, because I deliver the food, I'm like, yeah, I ain't doing this. I, I ain't door dashing. I'll go and pick it up. Um, But I'll I'll talk to management. I am a top dasher at DoorDash. I'll talk to management and see if we can't narrow that down a little bit. Yeah, nail that down. Nail that down. down. I'll
2: say this. I enjoy your service. And by your service, I mean the DoorDash service. I don't mean the Dockage DoorDash service. I know nothing about your uh, capabilities.
0: Well, I'm a five-star rated out of five. I, I give great service. I'm on time. I'm punctual. Uh, I don't take every order, but, you know, Uh, let's get to the Combine. Has this been an eventful Combine?
2: It has not been an eventful Combine. Um, I mean, first off, there's no events until tonight. Tonight they start lifting and running and jumping, if you like that sort of thing, Dan. And I know you like guys in shorts with numbers on them. Um, yeah. but so the, the chance for it to be eventful increases tonight, but in terms of what's gone on so far, look, there's no star power here. There's no clear cut number one pick. There's no, uh, giant personality. The shape of this combine really is, uh, and the story of the combine so far is it's one of those, uh, kind of boring things where the story is that there's no giant story.
0: Did you, did you think um, that the Cardinals giving Kingsbury and Kime an extension right after that Kyler Murray thing was a you know, stick it to you, Murray, or is it just timing as usual?
2: I am not as against this as most of America seems to be. I mean, I don't think they're terrific. I, I think Kime's done a pretty good job. I mean, I think he built that roster pretty well. I think most of those veteran additions <clears throat> turned out better. Uh, than we would have expected. I mean, we knew J.J. Watt was going to get hurt, right? But A.J. Green, for example, I think produced beyond most of our expectations. Um, I, I think he got the veteran presences that he was, was seeking to kind of meld into a young team. Um, they've gotten steadily better, though they've got this thing where they, they stink down the stretch, which is a problem that they've obviously got to fix. They've got a young, immature quarterback who they've got to iron things out with. And I, I think it's their job to, to fix that and to work with him to get past that because I don't know that they're going to – you can't just turn that guy in and exchange him for something that's going to be more talented. But I am uh, increasingly a fan of stability for organizations. You know, uh, I said this yesterday on our show, uh, you know, if if Mike Tomlin or Harbaugh in Baltimore had felt pressure and I think they had early success. But if they hadn't and three years in we're looking over their shoulder, you know, maybe the stories of those franchises would have gone differently. And I'm not saying Kingsbury is or will be in their department. But I think teams have to give guys chances. And this constant pressure where you're always making moves, uh, thinking about job security, isn't good for a franchise. So if you've got a guy who looks like he's got a chance, you got to give him some time. You know, the New York Giants have had two-year coaches, three in a row, I think. And that organization has no chance to, to dig out. Until now, they've made terrible hires, but you got to make a decent hire and give the guy some time. So I'm on the side of giving a guy some time. Cliff Kingsbury's got to get better, but you got now, he, now he's been given some time, maybe too much time. I don't know why it had to be six years, but let him work.
0: What did you think of Murray's statement out of his agent's mouth?
2: I, I just don't understand. Well, I mean, I do understand. I, I've got a 12 year old. Um not that Kyler not that Kyler Murray's 12 years old, but I, I understand the need for everything to be <clears throat> um done on social media. Um that's why my yeah, kid's not yeah. yet on social media, though he asks frequently. Um <clears throat> I just don't understand what you accomplish by uh, hey, somebody's about to bench press Dan. A big round of applause.
0: Oh God, let's see, let's um, see. Take us there.
2: <laughs> I um I just don't, if you have an issue with the team and I talked, I asked Kingsbury a couple of questions about this this week. He said, he talks to Kyler Murray on a regular basis. They hadn't talked to him, you know, on Wednesday about um, his social media stuff and about the letter from the agent, but talks to him relatively frequently. So, do you not have the social skills to be able to tell your coach you have an issue? So instead you remove the team's logo from your social media accounts. That's how you initiate a conversation. That's very clumsy and awkward and immature. And look, Russell Wilson's a lot more mature than Kyler Murray and he does the same thing. It's not the way to start a conversation and your agent's letter should be sent uh, in an email to Steve Kime and to Cliff Kingsbury. It shouldn't be uh, sent on Twitter.
0: What do you make of things like this? Uh, giants looking for – looking or – or, or not, wait, let me back up. Giants will listen to things like that.
2: I lost you there. I see you, but I don't hear you.
0: I hear there you, you. Go. Can you hear me now, you.
2: Paul? Giants will listen to offers All for right. Saquon what, what Barkley. Do you
0: make, yeah, what do you what do you make of guys saying that publicly? What what is that?
2: Well, uh, again, I mean, I don't have a problem with them saying it publicly because if they're uh, if they want offers for Saquon Barkley, I think you kind of send out word to the other thirty one teams. Hey, um, we'd be up for moving Saquon Barkley. Are you interested? And that would, co- you know, Adam Schefter would send that out two seconds so it's going to come out publicly anyway um and i I don't know what kind of value saquon barkley has it's low as ever because uh though though maybe somebody would think he'd be on the rebound now two years removed from an acl but he doesn't have much value i mean what's a if you're looking for a running back you're you're going to use a fifth round pick on one who's uh doesn't have saquon barkley's knee issue and and that but I, i mean they could get something for Saquon Barkley. It's not going to be anything like what they spent on Saquon Barkley, which was a foolish pick by a deposed general manager.
0: Let me let me go to quarterbacks. This guy's benching, Dan. He is benching. My, he's screaming. I can hear him. Let's go. One more when you're tired. I don't care how many you can do. I want to know how many you do when you're tired. Sorry. Sorry, I lost my mind. Hey, Paul. I'm here. Tannehill, are your boys setting the groundwork to move on from Tannehill, and what do you make with all the drama in my city of Indianapolis with Carson Wentz?
2: Titans can't get out of Tannehill. I, I mean, it's very difficult. Uh, they, they've got bigger financial uh, handcuffs than the Colts. Uh, with Wentz, and again, a lot of these teams that might uh, publicly, Colts, privately, Titans, want to upgrade, uh, don't have a viable alternative. Who's the Titans' viable alternative? Aaron Rodgers bought land, and he's building a house in Nashville. Uh, Tennessee's a really good state to live in because there's no uh, state income tax, so uh, it's a good place to live. weather's pretty good year-round. I mean, George Kittle lives in Nashville. Has a house in Nashville. I know that he's not, you know, on the verge potentially of asking for a trade. But nobody's all fired up about that. I, I don't. I don't think they can get out of Tannehill this year. They offered him a lot of support yesterday in their conversations. So they did finally, I think, realize that they weren't talking about his failure to not only play well enough in big games himself, but to um, elevate others, which I think is a responsibility of a quarterback and uh, something he failed to do this last season, even as they had a very good year, something I, I wrote about and that, that Mike Vrabel gave a little ground on as he sat down with me here and that John Robinson, um, after he, he broke down in tears in a video that everybody saw, um, Also, you know, conceded Uh, Carson Wentz. I mean, you had Ballard for the hour. You should be telling me, you seem to, uh, from what I heard, conclude again that they're going to move on from Wentz. You know, if the best alternatives, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't as good as Wentz last year. So yeah. you know, maybe you're better coming to terms with Wentz.
0: I, I I'm confused by the whole thing. I, I, that's why I asked you. I I feel like the Colts are going to uh, get rid of Wentz, and I look at Wentz at almost four thousand yards, twenty-seven to seven. Yes, he missed a throw in the Oakland game that would have won the game. To, but I, I, Paul, I just don't understand. And I and I did. I had I had Chris Ballard in a very candid interview, essentially tell me that they're going to get rid of Wentz and they're going to do it fairly soon. So. I, I always go – look, I always tell people, all right, you don't want that coach, who do you want? You I don't want that, that quarterback, who do you want? I don't know that – right? I mean, who do you want? I, I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a guess. That's But he's out till what, the summer? I don't know. And he's not – Jimmy Garoppolo, an upgrade from Carson Wentz? I, yeah, I think
2: you're going to have some of the same frustrations with a Garoppolo that you'd have with a Wentz. And you're going to end up giving up more draft resources again. Um, so I don't know, Dan. I mean, maybe something happened behind the scenes that's beyond him, him not producing um, in, in the big moments the way he didn't produce in the big moments. And he doesn't seem to have the quarterback leadership pizzazz that we want, but it feels a little fanish. You know, fans come out of that season and they say, we hate Carson Wentz we can't deal with this guy being our quarterback the Same the Titans said about Titans fans have, have now concluded about Ryan Tannehill. Fans say that, but teams generally say, you know what? The guys played a lot of good football for us. This is what the Titans guys said yesterday. And you know, off the record, they would say, what, 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 what who would you have us replace him? With? Tom, Tom Brady's not walking through that door. Um, you know, and, and so uh, I, I'm the same as you. I often say when people want to coach fire, tell me the name of the guy that you're replacing him with. Don't just say you want – you can't create a vacuum without filling it. Who are you filling it with?
0: I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent with you. Uh, Dylan wants us to go to break. We'll be right back. Minus hey, uh, Paulie. Let me let me ask you about a guy here in Indy that people, for whatever the reason, are talking about. Marcus Mariota. I know he's a backup with the Raiders, but you all had him in Tennessee. What are your thoughts on him?
2: Uh, give you a game and a half, two and a half, maybe if he if he played on a regular basis. I mean, it, it, guys are what they are. Marcus Mariota is a guy who gets hurt. Um, gets hurt. I mean uh this year the Raiders put him in for what one play I think uh when they were going to start like finding a role for him to do some change up stuff from Carr, and he got hurt and then he was out for like a good stretch Marcus Mariota as an idea is really nice Marcus Mariota in practice not good and if you want him um, to be your starting quarterback, um, I talked to Mike Malarkey uh, during the pandemic year, I think, in, uh, and, and look, Mike Malarkey was not the greatest coach in the world by any means, but he's a good, good man. He probably had some axes to grind. Uh, he lives in Jacksonville and the Titans were playing in Jacksonville. And I got up, I got him to meet me for coffee. And he talked to me about circumstances under which he was fired when he had a playoff team here and He talked to me about Arthur Smith. And he talked to me about Marcus Mariota. And I, 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 I he said, I'd said it time and time again, he said Mike Malarkey that Marcus Mariota just would, would not lead in the way that you need a quarterback to leave and the way that they asked him to leave. He's got, Dan, you know, what he referred to as this aloha spirit. The aloha spirit is very kind of laid-back um, thing. It would drive you insane to watch him. Um, how how hands-off he seemingly is, and guys will say that he does what's necessary, but you know, I, I mean, Carson Wentz seems to me to lack uh, kind of that moxie you'd need to be the captain of a team and, uh, and the leader of an offense. Marcus Mariota would be a downgrade in that department.
0: Yeah, that's what, you know, again, I'm going, you know, you try to go through things and you say, okay, who, is, is this a year, you mentioned this, and I'm not going to get into prospects with you, but is this a year – where you maybe trade the first pick in the draft if you can get anything for it. Doesn't seem like there's anything that make jumps out at you that goes, Man, this guy's gonna change Jacksonville or you know what I mean. I mean, is this is that's that kind of year well, in the draft? I
2: think it's a kind of year where um it, it's it's like the equivalent of doing dirty work, like <clears throat> you're not getting uh glamour skill position guy. But uh and you know, Aiden Hutchinson um a very good player he's not going to be chase young or miles garrett but there are a lot of very good edge rushers who uh are a notch below that and so he could be that guy or if you want you know a, a left tackle to build your franchise around there are two at the top of this draft who um you know are projected to to be that guy so um it's not glamorous, but, but look, Jacksonville got glamorous last year with Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, if, if I told you you're the worst team in the league and in year one, you could get a guy who's uh, projected to be a generational quarterback. And in year two, you could get the left tackle who protect him for the bulk of his career. I, I think you'd probably take that. So, um, most fans yeah. would say, "Well, give me the receiver that he could throw to for for that generation." But right. it doesn't doesn't stack right. up that way. Maybe they get the the receiver in round two. They certainly need explosive weapons and, and everything.
0: Paul, there's there's so much, like I'm I'm you, you know the saying, "He doth protest too much." I'm feeling that a little bit with uh, Pete Carroll and and Russell Wilson and. I don't know if I'm feeling the same way about Aaron Rodgers because that deal feels different. But if you were going to go by percent, 100% says yes, one or both are going to be traded. Zero percent says no, no chance. Where would you be with either of these guys not starting next year? With no,
2: I give. I lost you there for a second. Hope you have me. I I have, I give a two and a half percent. Do. A two and a half percent chance that either of them are traded and that's hot i don't think either of them are going anywhere i think rogers
1: i don't think about
2: it doesn't want to go to the afc he's in a great situation he's on a very good team and they'll wind up if he's back um, in the playoffs again with a chance for him to to break this thing where they haven't been able to break through and get back to his super bowl Um, which is what he needs to do on this far end of his career to to get another Super Bowl appearance, another Super Bowl title, to match up with the one he got over 10 years ago now. And Russell Wilson, I mean, Pete Carroll's getting old. Why, Why would Pete Carroll want to deal Russell Wilson? The moment you deal Russell Wilson, job number one for you becomes finding a franchise quarterback, which is the hardest thing to do in football. So why do you set yourself up for that?
0: Yeah, I agree. And all I ever hear, wow, this is that you know. And here in India, obviously, when when Aaron Rodgers wears blue on Pat McAfee's show, everybody thinks he's coming to the Colts, and it's a sign. And I'm sitting there going, no. Logic says neither of these guys are going anywhere. You're at the combine. Is there anybody there that's been an interesting interview? Is there anybody there that you know whose personality has really come? I got out three guys seen?
2: for you, Dan. That that you would love uh, to be uh, around. Uh, or, or have on your show. All right. Icky Ikwanu, who's the second tackle with Evan Neal. Um, he just this morning talked us through his career in musical theater in elementary school, where uh, he, he worked and worked his way up to get the lead role in fifth grade in 1001 Dalmatians. And this was a highlight in his life. I, he was He was tremendous. We tried to get him to sing um, but he stopped short of that. This guy is a tremendous, tremendous character. Um, some of the New York uh, reporters walked away, <clears throat> you know, practically on their knees praying that the uh, the Giants would draft this guy so that they would have this quote in their locker room. Greg Dulcich, the tight end out of uh, UCLA, has very long hair and a mustache, um, and he said that he's never cutting the hair; he's growing the hair indefinitely. This never. is an insult to people like you and me. Never. He should shave, shave yes. this and donate it to uh, patients who need wigs. But he, he, uh, he's already calling out to Head and Shoulders and Dove for a side deal that would uh, make him a little extra jack. So very sleek in terms of marketing. I like him a lot. He's also a very good player um i I would love for the titans the the tight end needy titans to draft this guy uh so i could pair up with him like if we stood next to each other we'd have just the right amount of hair for two guys yeah (laughs) and then malik willis the quarterback who's obviously uh the most well known of these guys he 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 said i i I like the candor he said that he found football boring And it wasn't anything to him. And people said, when did you start to find it less boring? And he said, when I started to get good, when I started to get better at it. So I appreciated his candor. And I thought he did pretty well. He also said, like, very simply, uh, people were asking him about the criticism of the class and the breakdown of his game. And he said, I want to be happy. So I don't pay attention to any of this stuff, because if I did, there'd be no chance for me to be happy. He kind of was turning it on us, like, well, don't you guys want to be happy? Why would Why would you pay any attention right. to stuff that would make you unhappy? Right. So I liked all three of these guys. I, I I just want
0: to be, yeah. I want to be happy too, but the not reading stuff doesn't doesn't help me be happy. Did uh, Willis is the guy that says he should be the number one quarterback picked, right?
2: You know, I don't, I lose track of that because everybody's asked if they should be number one at their position, everybody who has a chance. And of course, everybody says yes, because if they say no, then they're rated as a beta and it's a big story. So I presume he said yes.
0: Yeah, I've read something on him and I'm thinking to myself, if you're going to ask that question, what answer do you think you're going to get? You know what? I want to be in like a six-round pick, sit on the bench. You know, you're, you're not getting that. You're not getting well, that. Well, it's funny. They're uh, two injured Alabama
2: before, receivers that your your daughter's there, right? She probably knows them, uh, Jameson Williams and John Mechie, both coming off ACL surgery. And uh, it was funny. Mechie said, oh, you know, I don't think my knee's going to affect my draft stock at all. And Jameson Williams said, uh, I just hope I get drafted.
0: Wow. All right. I like it. Hey, look, both answers are cool with me. My daughter's in Nashville actually, teaching school at Clay Travis's school system. Thought, How about I that? I thought uh,
2: in, tra- uh, in Clay's school system?
0: Oh. Yeah. Yeah, where his kids go to school. Was it Williamson yeah, County? Yeah, I or live or in Williamson like County
2: too. I hope uh I hope she gets some of his sons and yeah. uh goes against the
0: family principles. <laughs> You're the best, Paulie. Enjoy, man. Go get out there. Do some curls. Let's go.
2: Dude, if I so much as like stepped onto the uh, bench platform, I'd be tackled by three security guards as if I was trying to touch the Constitution.
0: (laughs) That place. Uh, Do they still walk guys through? Is everybody walking? You know, you can tell the the importance of the guy by what his entourage is you see a lineman he just walking you see a quarterback he got 15 guys and Gil Brandt walking with him.
2: Yeah Gil Brandt has uh, retired I think from from that duty so I don't know who oh. plays that role now uh, but these guys are so untouchable I mean they snuck into the room and snuck out and you hardly see them beyond that. I was in the main hallway yesterday where guys go to and from their interviews and I saw six guys the whole time.
0: Because everybody goes out the back door. That's like you at the club. Yeah, at the That's club. like you at the club in Nashville. You can't go in the front door. The, you got to go up the back stairs. Me at the club in
2: Nashville you at the club. 25 years ago.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Have a great day, Thanks, my Danny. friend. He's the best. the best. He's the best. You hear me, Paul? You're the best. You're the best. The best. He's the best. The great. Paul Kuharski, you can catch him this afternoon. Go to paulkuharski.com. Do yourself a favor, man. Read what he has. Sign up. It's good stuff. Paul writes what everybody wants you to write, which is the truth. He gives you the truth. He's a New Yorker, New Jersey. He's not going to bullshit you. Get in there. Hey, uh, I got some thoughts on Coach K this weekend. Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor. Uh, i got to talk about Coach K because I'm a big fan. I have been critical. That's all right. I mean, look, yesterday I had Chris Ballard on my show for an hour. We were sitting next to each other, and, hey, I'm critical of him too. But men can be men. Men can have discussions. Men can go back and forth. Uh, I'm going to give you my thoughts. Coming up in college basketball, it's like rivalry weekend, and I'm not just talking about in or excuse me, I'm not just talking about Duke, North Carolina. I'm talking about Indiana. I'm talking to Purdue. I'm talking about a lot of stuff uh, going on this weekend. We come back. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a little bit of history on Coach K when we come back. Hey, Joe Harrigan, Joe Harrigan, thanks, man. I appreciate that you appreciate our show. Um, Last hour of the week is coming up right now, and uh, we got a lot to get to. You know, this is the last weekend uh, for Coach K coaching at Cameron Indoor, at least last game, last home game for Coach K. Obviously, Coach K is going to coach in the ACC tournament. Obviously, he's going to coach in the NCAA tournament. In fact, I saw this where they are requesting that they play in Chicago, Coach K's hometown. Now, normally I would say, oh, that's bull. Don't do that. But I, I don't know. I kind of think the guy's been so good for basketball. The guy's done such good stuff. Let's do it. Usually, I am not that guy. Usually, I am the guy that says, hey, man, I don't want any preferential treatment. No preferential treatment for anybody, but you know what? The dude, um, yeah, go ahead and give it to him. Here's the deal with Coach K. Um, A lot of us are in the, uh, what's the right way to put it? Bob Knight family, right? Coach K played for Coach Knight at Army. They had a special relationship. Coach K could have gone a lot of places. Uh, He chose Army, played on some very good teams. Coach K was always bitter in the back of his mind, a little bit about his time at Army because Coach Knight didn't let him shoot. You know, I think K was the leading scorer in the Chicago Catholic League. So, you know, he wanted to go there and shoot. That's what a lot of kids do. But anyway, Coach K had a terrific career. And in the middle of Coach Kay's career, his father passed away. And Coach Knight, being a young coach, Coach Knight was only like 24, 25 years old when K was at West Point. So he's only five, six years older than his players. uh, Went to Coach K's house, spent the weekend with his mother, did all of those things. And that was a wonderful thing that Coach K always appreciated. So they have going back a long, long time, a relationship. That relationship is strained. And maybe next week I'll try to get Ian O'Connor on, who wrote a book about Coach K. It's an unauthorized biography that Ian told me um, Coach K and his people did not block. They did not say. But Coach K, being in the same family, he's always been really good to me. I took my son to Coach K's basketball camp when Andrew was, I'm not exactly sure, maybe fifth or sixth grade. I drove out there. I took two guys. I drove out there, met a couple of friends, dropped him off at camp, left, went and stayed at a hotel, went golfing all day. Uh, you know, I wasn't going there to go to camp. He was. So I wasn't going to stop in at camp and see what was going on. But Coach K found out I was there and invited me up to his office. Now, you got to understand, they got this tower. And at the top of the tower is Coach K's office, and you literally have to have a thumbprint to get to his office. Everybody else's office is here. His is up here. And there's a stairwell. And, in fact, which is weird to me, he's going to keep that office. All right, fine. Well, Coach K was getting ready to coach the Olympic team, and Coach K gave myself and a friend of mine named Tim Dunn, who came out to play golf, Uh, He gave us two and a half hours, and it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. He was talking about how LeBron James and all the Olympic guys have their own trainers and how Johnny Dawkins is responsible for the pre-practice because of all the stretching these guys do, because let's be honest, these guys are corporations. And I walked out of there thinking to myself, there is nobody, and I mean no country, that is going to touch the United States certainly because of the players, right? I mean, obviously you got great players on those teams, but because of the organization. Earlier in my time with Coach K, I was there when Coach K and Coach Knight had a falling out at the ninety-two, um, the nineteen ninety-two, Final Four. Coach K had made a statement that Bob Knight, or he wanted to separate himself for Bob Knight. And away you go. All right. Well, Knight didn't like that because Knight felt like that was disrespectful. So Knight gave Kay a letter. It was was a total childish thing by everybody. But I was there, and it was bad, and everybody was upset. And about three years later, I'm on a trip with Nike. College coaches went on a trip uh, with Nike. And I'm standing at a bus stop waiting to go from a restaurant with coaches to uh, the hotel. My wife and I, my then-wife and I, my ex-wife and I are standing there, and here comes Coach K and Mickey, his wife. And K and I start talking about Coach Knight. And we're talking, and a bus comes, and it goes, and another bus comes, and it goes, and he just wants to talk about Coach Knight because I'd been with Coach Knight 16 years. And it was really fascinating to me. It was. It was really fascinating to me the depth with which Coach K felt for Bob Knight. I thought to myself, and I think I told him, I go, look, I think this is awesome. But I don't feel the same way. But again, I worked for him for 16 years. So anyway, long story short, uh, Coach K is deeply embedded in Bob Knight world. Now, with me, I was great. No matter, I didn't care how Coach Knight treated me as a player. I didn't care how he treated me as a coach, although one day I did punch him. I had to punch him in the chest and knock him back on a chair. He had gone too far. Uh, I didn't tell anybody that for about 20 years, but what are you going to do? But anyway, I didn't mind. My deal with Coach Knight was when I was at ESPN and he was bad-mouthing me because he wanted my job with the Big Ten. Well, he was a god-awful announcer that didn't prepare, so he didn't deserve a job even when he, the one he had other than who he was. But I digress. So I wasn't as deeply embedded into Coach Knight as Coach K was. And I always thought it was pretty cool that Coach K was that embedded. Coach K had that kind of relationship to the point where Coach Knight inducted Coach K, gave the speech to induct Coach K into the NC, or excuse me, into the National Basketball. Hall of Fame. Their relationship ended, according to this book, their relationship ended at Pinehurst a few years ago when Coach Knight was holding court. Mike Shashevsky came up to say hello and Coach Knight did what Coach Knight does. Treat him like an ass. All right. Now, that's the background between like the Indiana thing. I said screw it to Coach Knight in a meeting room and after jackass. So I give what happened here coach k in my opinion is the in college basketball history obviously when you look at how many wins he didn't win as many national championships as wooden but it was a different era what mike szchefsy did and mike szchefsy is the best adapter in college basketball a few years ago he decided i am going to become a coach that coaches one and done so he decides to do that, and next thing you know, he does it. Period. He becomes a great one and done coach. Zion Williams, all these guys, you can name them. I mean, there's a million of them. Duke had, in the words of his assistant coach, become too white. They had become too preppy. So what does K do? He adapted. Kay's basketball style adapted. He's the best adapter in college basketball. He went from button down, we're going to defend, Bob Knight, we're going to man to man, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, to a freewheeling, wide open offense that basically said this, if you guard hard, I'm going to let you take some crazy shots. Kind of started that with J.J. Redick. In 92, when we played him in the NCAA tournament Final Four, they weren't like that. They had Grant Hill, they had Christian Leitner, they had Bobby Hurley, they had Antonio Lang, they had uh, Cherokee Parks, they had all these guys, all right? But here's the deal. They were a lockdown team. We got off to an unbelievable start against them. And then all of a sudden, boom, we couldn't score. We just couldn't score. And they won the national championship. It was the second in a row for them. That was uh, 91 and 92, I think it was. Maybe it was, I don't know, whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, 91, they beat uh, UNLV, which was a turning point for K because there was a time with Coach K where Coach K was seen as someone that couldn't win the big game. Same thing with Dean Smith, which is nuts to me, but they couldn't win the, quote, big game. I always thought, are you crazy? You got to win so many big games to get to that point. But Coach K the biggest adapter. In my opinion, he's not the greatest coach of all time. And as much as I dislike Bob Knight personally, it's not dislike, it's I have no respect for my former coach and my former boss personally. I think Bob Knight is the better coach. I would say to anybody, look, I would take Bob Knight running my program if it was just a basketball program, not a PR program, not a recruiting program, just coaching. Bob Knight didn't delve into the worlds of Zion Williamson, did not delve into the world of agents, did not delve into the world of money managers. But you know what? That's Bob Knight's fault because Kay has, he again adapted, and next thing you know, he's become the greatest winner of all time. And being the greatest winner of all time meant absolutely everything to Bob Knight. And I guarantee you it means absolutely everything to Coach Kay. It just does. Look, I didn't get it done. I wanted to be the biggest in Green history and then set the all-time national winning, uh, do what Kay did, win more games than anybody. We all want to do that. That's what you in it for. But if I was going to take a coach, Bob Knight played road games. K never plays a road game unless it's an ACC, Big Ten Challenge game, or unless it's in Chicago, or unless it's in New York. I don't respect it. Never played a road game, Knight would. Coach K adapted, no doubt, and that's part of adapting. Uh, Cal Perry does the same thing. Cal Perry got his ass whipped at Indiana on the watch shot, not an ass whipping, but a bucket late. And next thing you know, he is absolutely not, and I mean he is not, playing road games. So there you go. All right? The truth of the matter is this. I think Coach K is the best all-around basketball coach in the history of the NCAA. And I say all-around, adapting, recruiting, you name it, Coach did it. All right? I think Bob Knight, better basketball coach. That, that's not to besmirch Coach K. That's not to besmirch him at all. He's great. Absolutely great. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, um, you know what, Uh He sets standards that are maybe never going to be reached. Maybe never. John Shire's got a tough job. John Shire is in a position, because he has recruited well, really well, to extend it. Now, at the end of the day, we'll see if he can't. The woods is full. In my world, at Indiana, dudes are like, hey, we still can't replace Bob Knight 22 years later. I mean, what the hell are we doing? We cannot do it. We can't replace him. I mean, I don't know if they're still going to be there. I don't know if they're still going to say, 22 years later, we can't replace Coach K. But I will say this. The way Gene Cady left by having Matt Painter there and start recruiting was perfect. The way Indiana's gone about it has been horse The way Duke has gone about it with John Shire has been great. He's had a chance to recruit. He's put himself in a position to get players among the best in the country, and away you go. So I anticipate Duke, I anticipate Duke playing really well over the next few years over John Shire. And then let's see what happens. Then the K-Mick mystique wears off. We saw it with Mike Davis at Indiana. Eventually, Bob Knight and all that was there wore off and it became his program. We'll see if Shire's ready. I don't think Tommy Amaker had any, any hold on the Duke job. I mean, everybody complained about Tommy Amaker not getting a job. What the hell has he done? He's done a great job at Harvard, terrible at Michigan. He had no hold on that job. They went with Shire. Good for them. He's there. He's going to continue the continuity and away you go. But the truth of the matter is, it is set up for Shire to succeed. Indiana was set up for Mike Davis not to succeed. There is a smooth transition. Kay is beloved. Kay's going out on his own terms. Kay picked the guy that's already there who has been on the road to recruit. Knight went out. Knight tried to sabotage the program. Knight tried to get the players to go to a junior college until he got a job And next thing you know, Mike Davis was battling all kinds of forces, and he did a hell of a job getting Indiana to the national championship game. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Mike Davis did a hell of a job getting Indiana to the national championship game. We'll see what happens. But congratulations, Coach K, on an unbelievable career. Good luck in whatever it is you do next, and good luck to John Shire. It's going to be an interesting road for John Shire. Not impossible, but he seems like, because of recruiting, he seems like he is off to an absolutely dynamite start. And let's be honest, Duke draws, but it really is going to be tested because K-Ink is no longer there. What is K-Ink? The, the brand. The Olympics. La- the, when I swear I put a cover over my mouth so you don't see me MFing everybody. The brand, the image, really important, but nothing more important than winning, and Kay did that. We'll see if they can continue. Let's speak about Kay. You know, this weekend, it's Duke at home against UNC. Now, let's be honest. Duke at home against UNC is the game of the weekend. It's 6 o'clock. It's Kay's last game, and North Carolina got a lot to play for. North Carolina, I believe, is in the tournament. North Carolina, how about a little pride? My God, North Carolina did show some pride against Syracuse earlier in the week. Uh, Caleb Love was making two bombs, I mean, fantastic, deep bombs that not only sent in overtime but got him the lead. It was terrific basketball at the end of the game and into the overtime. But you just got your ass beat at home by your rival that's eight blocks away or eight miles away. If you're North Carolina, I don't give a damn if if it's Coach K's last game. I don't give a damn if it's the the Pope's last game. I don't give a damn if there's white smoke coming out of the roof of Cameron Indoor Stadium. Who cares? You have got to play with an unbelievable sense of urgency. You've got to play – like your hair's on fire, as the great Seth Greenberg says. you got to play like this is the only thing in the world that matters to you that will ever matter to you, and nothing else is even close. I mean, I'm sorry, but you have a chance. If I'm North Carolina, you have a chance to ruin your rival's last game at home. Now, I want you to think about that. That is one hell of an opportunity. That just doesn't happen. Man, how fired up would you be if you got, you know, in, in, Coach, in, in the world of Coach K in North Carolina, Coach K, it, according to North Carolina, not me, is a sanctimonious ass. That's how they view him. And really, that's how Duke viewed Dean Smith, just a sanctimonious ass. All right, well, you got a chance to beat him at home. And you know what the most beautiful sound is in sports? The sound of silence on the road. The sound of silence on the road is magic. It ain't a little magic. It's magic. Oh yeah. Dribbling it down the court or sitting on the bench looking onto the court and you see people leaving. There is. Nothing, zero, nada, better than that. When I say nothing better than that, nothing, nada, zip. That's the game of the week. All right, Arkansas, Tennessee. Let me tell you a little bit about Arkansas and Tennessee. Arkansas and Tennessee have had two pretty damn good years. They're a game behind Auburn. Auburn's got to go, or excuse me, Auburn plays South Carolina. Now, I don't anticipate Auburn losing, but the winner of this game, the winner of this game, I mean, at least, I don't know, sort of maybe uh, has a chance anyway at an SEC regular season championship. I mean, Auburn could lose. Kentucky's in there. This may be the second game of the weekend. you got a five straight wins for Arkansas. Five straight in conference season, like 12 of 13 they've won. They've turned their season around. You've got a Tennessee team that's won three in a row. You've got a Tennessee team that has not lost at home. It's going to be, according to Dylan, one of those checkerboard deals. But Arkansas, man, they got a big one last night. Arkansas ain't afraid. Arkansas will go play you. Both teams right now, thirteen and four. That's a hell of a year. You end up fourteen and four. <whistles> Takes a special year to get it done. I do believe fifteen and three is going to win the league, and I do believe that that is going to be Auburn. But this is going to be a hell of a crowd in Knoxville. This is going to be a hell of a game. This is going to be up and down. Bet the over. If you're just joining the show. You know the first few minutes of the show, I went off on Indiana. Like, there's no pride among the players at Indiana. There is zero pride. There is zero anything. Anything. There's nothing. You saw it last night. Rutgers came into Indiana and beat them. Beat Indiana, my school, at Assembly Hall. However, Purdue's reeling two. Now, you got to understand the state of Indiana. I've talked about this many times. When the school from Bloomington, IU, wins two games in a row, IU fans swear banner number six is just around the corner. Oh, man, we just beat Vanderbilt and we got Evansville. We got banner six coming. Purdue is the exact opposite. Purdue can win ten games in a row. And here's Purdue. God. It's coming. It's coming. You know the collapse is coming. I know we've won 10 in a row. I know. Like, the other day, Purdue got beat, and Wisconsin, all they've got to do is beat Nebraska, which isn't that easy anymore. At last game of the year this weekend, they win the Big Ten championship. Well, Wisconsin banked in a two with a kid's foot on the line from the top of the key. And then they banked in a three with a game tied to win the game. You don't bank in threes. Those of you that don't follow basketball, you just don't bank in those shots. But to do it twice, let me tell you what my Purdue friends said. They said, Dan, that's us. You wonder why we have angst. You wonder why we have trouble. You wonder why we're like we are. You just saw it. So let's break the game down. Purdue, who many of us, myself included, think, well, you know what? Um, they got a team that can go to the Final Four. They got big guys. They got wings. They got a superstar in Jaden Ivey. But they also play three different offenses, and it hasn't gone well. They'll start the game watch. They'll start the game cutting. Sasha Stefanovic, everybody will be cut. Then about halfway through, they'll just throw the ball inside. And then, if the game is close at the end, they'll clear it out and go to Jaden Ivey. I don't think that's the way they should play. I think they should keep their cutting going, incorporate Jaden Ivey, and throw the ball inside. Eventually, Indiana will crack. Now, Indiana might play okay. Indiana's actually played better, but again, it's disgusting. You can't beat. You blow a big lead against Ohio State, then you can't beat Rutgers last night. So I got no faith in Indiana being able to win this game. I'm going to say that Purdue's going to win it and win it big, but I also told you Indiana was going to win yesterday and win it big. USC and UCLA. USC's having a great year, like 25 and four. UCLA's lost six games and it's a both teams are fun to. This year, you remember you team of the year, right? Jalen Suggs hits the shot, or else UCLA loses the national championship. Look, hey, both of these teams get up and down. There's a lot of veteran players back. Jaime Jaquez, uh, Tiger kid, Johnny Juzang. They've been disappointing. I don't know. I mean, sometimes rate a run in the tournament for how good a team actually is. I was on a team like that. We got to the Elite Eight. Next thing you know, we were picked in the top five in the country and got our ass beat opening night against Louisville. I totally understand that. But the truth of the matter is, this game's going to be a fun game. Now, if Bill Walton does his stupidity, I know it's in vogue to like Bill Walton. See, for media guys, saying Bill Walton is great and Springsteen is great makes media idiots think they're cool. But Bill Walton is God-frickin'-awful. He's completely garbage. It's horrible. There's nothing about Bill Walton doing a game that's interesting other than I'll give Bill Walton this. He does do some background on some weird stuff but you're trying to watch a game a few years ago and he wanted Barack Obama as the new basketball coach at UCLA. Now you all going to say that's fun. And I guess that, I mean, I don't know. Is that fun? Okay. You can have fun without being an idiot. And Bill Walton's an idiot. Uh, Bucks and the bulls. If the bulls are serious, the bulls are going to play. Well, the bulls are going to win this game. If the bulls are just another team, that every sausage-eating guy in Chicago says, the Bulls are back. And by the way, Justin Fields is our guy. I grew up there. I know what Chicago is. Nobody bitches, whines, and moans more than Chicago. Well, maybe I do. But nobody much. There's very few people that bitch, whine, and moan more than Chicago people. So anyway, at the end of the day, that game is going to determine whether or not, you mark my words, you mark my words, that game is going to determine a lot about what Chicago is. You know, the other night, Bucks got a big win late. We'll see what happens in this game. I think it's going to be interesting. You know, Kevin Durant's back tonight. That's a big deal. But this weekend, I think, is a hell of a weekend. If I'm going to bet a parlay on the games that I gave you, I'm taking the Bucks. I'm going from bottom up. I'm taking the Bucks. I'm taking uh, UCLA. I'm taking Purdue. I'm taking Tennessee, and I'm taking Duke. It's a hell of a five-team parlay, and I think only one of them is the road team. Home teams win this time of year, ladies and gentlemen, except frickin' Indiana. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for everything this week. Thanks a lot. Next week, I'm going to get a lot of coaches on. We're going to start a conference tournament week. Uh, If you want to hear a great interview... If you want to hear an interview with a general manager of a football team, the Indianapolis Colts, go on over to 107.5 The Fan. Just go to the website and you'll see my interview with Chris Ballard. If you're a football fan that wants to know what's happening with a team, if you want to know what GMs really think, you know, I'm not one of these slap blanks uh, media guys that kisses the ass of a general manager. I have no bias. Look, I'm like Letterman. I live in my basement. I go to work. I come home in my basement. I will go have a couple beers tonight with a couple friends of mine. My wife's out of town, so I got to go break it down. You know. But the truth of the matter is, um, if you want to hear a really good interview, Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Colts, needs to do better. He's 42 and 42. But I'll tell you this, man. He ain't afraid. He's comfortable in his own skin. I respect it. He ain't afraid uh, of the task at hand, and I respect it. I do. Again, 1075, the fan. And if you want to listen to more of this, and I'm going to tell you right now. So today on my show, I've got legendary. Look this fight up. Jerry Seasting of the of the Celtics against legendary Ralph Sampson. Look this fight up. It's a great NBA finals fight. Jerry's a friend of mine. He's going to join me. He played at Purdue. Then Todd Frazier is going to join me, the Todd father, because, frankly, the Todd father is gloating last night on Twitter about Rutgers, his team, beating my team, Indiana. Uh, Greg Gard's going to join me because, well, frankly, uh, Greg Gard, when you win the Big Ten, you get to come on my show. Jason Bonetti going to join me. He has the Indiana-Purdue game, but a bunch of else. So it's going to be a monster that I've got going on at 107.5 The Fan. Of course, after that, you come right back here to OutKick and you see the guys from OutKick 360. Paulie is live from uh, uh, where the hell Paul's from. He's from uh, Indy, my city. And then the other two, uh, Chad and Jonathan, are in New York City. So it's going to be a monster all day here on OutKick. But I want to say thank you to all of you on the YouTube chat. I want to say thank you to all of you that have joined us over Twitter. You've made this show a success And I very much appreciate it. Of course, Ryan uh, and Dylan, thank you all so much. Another week in the books. We'll be back at it. As Greeny says, we'll be back and better than ever on Monday morning. I hope you all have an absolutely splendid, splendid weekend. Enjoy the weekend. Go, Indiana. Son of a bitch, we got to beat.